This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, this is Leadership in Action. All right, here we go. We are off, off to the races, off to having just an amazing podcast. I can't wait to introduce you to our guest. He is really, really smart. He knows a lot of things, and we're going to try to learn as much as we can from him in the next 40 or so minutes here. Um, I'm excited. Buckle up. Let's go. Who is he? He's an entrepreneur, a speaker, a writer, an influencer, an editor, a podcaster, and, and, and everything, and, uh, and a fellow entrepreneur, again, uh, expertise in, in, in the areas of information science, AI, cognitive computing. 30 plus years. He's worked with some great companies. He's helped them solve problems. IBM, IRS, who are those people? GE, 3M, like all these great folks. You've probably seen him in the Harvard Business Review, uh, Applied Marketing Analytics, just a few places. He's actually on the editorial board at that particular magazine, host of the Early AI Podcast, author of the AI Powered Enterprise, CEO of Early Information Science, Seth Early. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, that, yeah, you just, you're doing so much. I mean, it's a, it's amazing that we we're able to carve out a little bit of time today just so we can pick your brain and, and learn more from you. So with that, I'm just going to pass this over to you, ask you this question the way we start every show, which is what is a common misconception about leadership, running a business and being an entrepreneur? That's a great question. There's probably a lot of them, but one I can uh, hit on today is, you know, people have this idea of, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have some solution that the market wants and, you know, you have some runway and you have uh, the capabilities and the marketplace, and then you can just kind of run with it and, and have it take off. And maybe you need to bring in uh, the right leadership team, the right resources, and it all looks very uh, much, much easier from the outside than it does from the inside. So a lot of times you get people who are, uh, you know, going to help you move to the next level. They have experience, they have background, they have credentials, and then they come in and they really don't understand the nuances of the business, the nuances of a small entrepreneurial company, and really don't necessarily have the ability to do things in a sustainable way. And I think what's interesting about this is, you know, when you're trying to be something different, whether you're trying to, to change your life, change yourself, change your business, uh, when you're trying to be something different, you have to be different, right? You have to show up differently. You have to do things differently. And many times that those things make you uncomfortable, right? They, they, they get you outside of your comfort zone. And, and that's understandable, right? That's expected. You want to be different, so you have to act differently. Maybe there are people who can help you get there. Maybe there are people who can direct you or guide you, or they've been there before. And so this whole idea of being outside of your comfort zone is something you need to be comfortable with, right? You need to be build that ability to do that. However, there is a fine line between being outside of your comfort zone and going against your gut instinct. Wow. You know, and because again, it's like, I need to be different. I, this is not comfortable. These people are telling me I need to do things differently. Well, okay, but 
do I really believe that that is the right approach? Do I really believe that that is sustainable? And many times in my case, I didn't trust my gut instincts. And I went with that comfort, that discomfort and said, okay, I'm going to be in this uncomfortable place, but you know what? There's something really bugging me about this. There's something that's not adding up. And I think whenever I have gone against my gut, that has been a mistake. Whenever I have had those instincts and those feelings that directionally, this isn't the way to go, I've been right. But the problem is I did not trust myself. And, and getting to that point where you can make that distinction between trusting your instinct, yet recognizing that you're going to be outside your comfort zone is really tricky. I mean, it's really hard, uh, especially when you have people around you who are kind of saying, oh, yeah, this is a great team or, yeah, this is the right direction. And something is gnawing at you to say, hmm, I don't think this is really going to work. And it's recognizing that and deconstructing that and trusting that rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to trust these alleged experts or these advisors who perhaps may be biased or may have uh, an agenda. And so recognizing that is very difficult. And But I found that once I have trusted my instinct and, and huge numbers of changes have happened, I mean... I, I could go on and give you very specific examples, but I don't want to ramble on here uh, too much. So, so let me uh, leave it at that. It's that, you know, trying to change and be different and get to the next level uh, is an uncomfortable thing, but you have to balance that with what your instincts are telling you. I mean, this is, this is such a great, great topic and also just such a, a thought exercise. I, I, I love that we're tackling this today. The idea of discomfort versus your gut's discomfort. Are, are right. they two different feelings? Is one just like, I, I'm cold. I wish I had a sweater. And the <laughs> other one is like, my soul is aching right now. Or so, how do you, I mean, maybe this sort of helps us separate uh, out which one is, is rearing right. its head. So, so think of it this way. So there's, there's an intellectual piece of this, right? There's a, yeah. there's this logist logic, a logical, you know, uh, uh, you know, explanation-based, okay, this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. Here's the story. I'm telling you this story, right? Because there's always a story. If you're, if you're, if you're not achieving the performance that you need or the results that you need, there's an explanation, right? There's a reason, there's a rationale. And the problem is not taking that intellectual uh, approach without incorporating the emotional pieces of it. Because at the, on the one hand, People can tell you certain things and say certain things uh, intellectually, and they make sense. But are they really communicating in an honest and authentic and sincere way? And if you only focus on the intellectual aspects, and that tends to be me, right? I'm a very logical person. I have Same. a background in science. I tend to look at the, the details and the logic of the explanation. But as that explanation does not... Uh, 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 result or that that mitigation or that plan or that change or that redirection or whatever you want to call it, that pivot as that does not produce the results now you're listening to a new story and the new story has logic and makes sense but what are the what are the people really telling you without that logic right what are they telling you at that emotional level what are they telling you 
can you trust them? And that's what it comes down to. It And that trust is really an emotional trust, right? It's saying, are these people really sincere? Are they really being authentic? Are they telling me the truth? And in the past, what I would do is I would kind of, you know, maybe if something didn't quite add up, I would give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Kind of move on, right? Say, okay, all right, whatever. I'm let's let's just focus on the future. Let's focus on moving forward. But as you start looking at those clues and as you start adding things up, you start realizing in retrospect that wait a minute, you know, those those explanations didn't add up. And so the difference is listening to yourself. And when you do hear that thing that doesn't quite add up or that thing that doesn't make sense or that indicator that tells you mm, this explanation isn't sitting well with me, call it out, call it out, address it head on. Because one of our core values is honesty and transparency, right? It's just a core value, whether it's, whether it's with a customer, you know, don't BS a customer, right? Don't sell something you can't deliver. Don't, you know, uh, 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 you know, take responsibility if there's an issue. And that's very dangerous in many large organizations, right? Because if you fall on your sword, that's an opportunity for everybody to kind of uh, jump on, especially if you're working with other large uh, vendors. Uh, so it's very difficult. It's very delicate, right? You need to find that situation where you can really be authentic and true and honest and transparent without, you know, it uh, working against you. So, but, but, but what is important is having that transparency and that honesty and communication so that you can solve those problems, right? If you don't face the problem, if you don't understand the problem, if you don't recognize the problem or take responsibility, you can't change it, right? So that's why that, that, that self-honesty, that intellectual honesty is so critical, is so important. And when you have that as a core value and you hire to that core value and you fire to that core value, you cannot gloss those things over. Right. Because what I would get is I would get BS. You know, I would get BS from my sales leader who would say, Oh, yeah, this project's happening, that project's happening, whatever. And you kind of go in, and you don't see stuff in the CRM, and you're like, wait a minute, it's not in the CRM. Oh, there's stuff that's happening that's not in the CRM. Uh-uh. Wrong answer, right? If it's not in if it's not in Salesforce, it didn't happen. But what you're hearing is you're hearing little bits of inaccuracies, right? You're hearing little bits of positioning and you know, uh, and, and evading of that responsibility. And as soon as that happens the first time, you have to stop it. And I've had those conversations and I have had, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've changed this, this team so that I don't have that dynamic anymore. But that was a dynamic that I faced and that I dealt with and that really damaged my, my, my business because I did not trust myself. And again, you know, People hearing this might say, well, wait a minute, you, you know, you're trusting people you shouldn't have trusted. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of what you happens. Know, that's what <laughs> happened. And, you know, when you have a team, you have to be able to trust that team. But when there are little indicators and little signals that start telling you that this team is not performing the way you expect them to or the way they need to or the way they say they will, those things speak volumes. And for whatever reason, I was not focusing on those things. I was focusing on the words. I was focusing on the plan. I was focusing on move forward, what the remediation was, what the you know mitigation was, how are we going to adjust, how are we going to course correct, what are we going to do? But again, it's, it's, it's those little things that kind of add up over time. And again, it's, it's so critical to trust your instinct. And 
my background is I developed, I built this company without any experience, right? I didn't have any expertise in information management. And in, you know, this is, we're talking almost 30 years ago, right? Of course I built that expertise, but, but I started from a position where, you know, I, I didn't work for an Accenture or a Deloitte and, you know, for 10 or 15 years and, you know, you know, learn all the methodologies and all the techniques and grab my, you know, five buddies who, who I know were A players and a couple of customers and then say, yeah, we bootstrapped. I knew nothing. Right? right. So I learned the hard way and learning the hard way means you're constantly looking for the answers outside of yourself, right? Because you don't necessarily know. And so where do you look for those answers? You look for those answers in people that have the experience that have done that, that have been there. And that's where, again, you're, you're trying to take in this new information so that you can act differently, so you can bring the business to another level, but that core trust in yourself has to be there. And that's the piece that I, I didn't have at that time, because again, I had this, oh, this, this concern that I didn't have the answer, that I didn't know. That's a great way to look at things to say, hey, I could be wrong, or hey, I don't know the answer. Give me the answer. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I just want the truth. I just want the answer. I just want the reality. I want the path forward, right? right? Whether it's me or for a customer. But again, when you have that question, you have to be able to look at those answers with both the logic and the emotion. And if you don't have that whole view of things, right? And you're not trusting those nonverbal, non-logical things, <laughs> then you're missing a big piece of the puzzle. I love that, man. I, I, I think I'm so susceptible to that. I'm sure a lot of people listening, the idea of you're listening and it's like, I don't have time for all the, the fancy emotional things. So they just give me the, the story and I'm just, I'm just taking that as raw input when I should be thinking about, um, you know, first, should I trust this person? But let's say you do trust them, but maybe in this situation, they've got their own emotions mixed up and maybe their recommendation. And it's like, Okay, to your point, what are they really saying? And right. and what position are they coming from when they're right. suggesting, oh, do hire this person? Oh, don't hire this right. person. Right. Um, so it's not do they have just an agenda. It, do yeah, they it's have like it's like taking one one line of data when there's really several different lines coming in at the same time and you can't ignore those other pieces. Right. Right. And 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 the whole idea, like I've always said, I don't necessarily have an agenda, right? I'm very transparent. I'm just I am who I am. I, I don't apologize for anything. And I just say it is what it is. Right. And, right. and, you know, it's about communication and it's about reality and it's about the data and the information and so on. But sometimes if you don't have an agenda, somebody else will, right. It's almost like an agenda vacuum. Right? So you say my agenda is being successful and making clients successful and helping employees, you know, have fulfilling jobs and, and feeling good about the work they're doing. And, but someone else might have another agenda and they, maybe they're bringing in their buddy, you know, and maybe they're doing a favor to somebody and, you know, maybe they're, they're, you know, uh, asking for a, a salary that's higher than what this person deserves or, you know, because they want to build their, their relationship with their buddy, right. Yeah. Or whatever it might be, or maybe they're just saying, you know, Hey, I'm going to take advantage of this as long as I can. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate. You don't want to believe that people have those kinds of motives, you know, but you have to be, you know, uh, you can't be naive, you know, and you yeah. have to recognize that, that people do have those motives. They do have those agendas. So, you know, it's challenging. And I think, you know, the more of a trusting person you are, you have to assume 
people are working uh, with good faith, right? You just have to assume that. You can't you have to. Around. In my opinion, you don't, you don't I mean, have to, but no, there's a lot of people have that to. go around. Yeah, there's a lot of people that go around that don't trust anybody, right? And right. they're always I've met a few. For, yeah, we've all meet them, right? There's there's a lot of you know sociopaths in business, right? Who sure. <laughs> just don't care and they're looking, you know, to get ahead of whatever whatever cost. But you know, and 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 many people that that have that lack of trust in others and are always looking for the angle or always looking for you know, that weakness or something like that, that, you know, that's, that's their nature. Right. But I don't want to go through life that way. Right. I, right. I, I will trust people until they show me that they're not trustworthy. And, but at the same time, I want to be, I don't want to be naive about it. Right. I want right. to make sure that, you know, trust, but verify, but also, you know, don't take risks, don't take unnecessary risks. Don't, don't give them more than you can afford to lose you know, in any situation. Right. And, right. you know, and again, you know, there were times when, when there were, you know, hiring decisions or investment decisions that were made that were like, Whoa, are, can we really do this? And, you know, you're getting information from uh, a CFO who was brought in by a COO and, you know, they have a relationship and, you know, at the end of the day, you have to trust people, but, you know, you have to go with your instincts and, really question things. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's your responsibility as CEO, right? Success, failure, you know, you're the one who, who lives with it. You're the one who has to deal with it. And, and so you have to be really careful to calibrate how much you're going to risk when you do have that, that trust in people. And you have to be able to, uh, you know, get enough other signals. The other piece is don't do it yourself, right? If, if you, you have to, this is where, this is where there's that tricky part, because if you're trying to bring other people in to help you, you have to make sure those are the right people to do that. Because if you have the wrong people in your inner circle, then that throws the whole game out too, you know? So, so, you know, I, I used to feel like I was fighting with my leadership team. You know, I used to feel like I, I had a battle. I have a team now who I love and we're so aligned and, we have such a great culture and, and there's tremendous trust. And that's why if there's any one iota of something where someone is not representing somebody, something correctly, uh, you know, I call, I call it out. I say, look, I, I just want to remind you that our, we don't never make excuses, right? They say, never complain, never explain. I think Brian Tracy said that uh, motivational speaker way back when, right before a lot of people's time, but he used to say, never complain, never explain, or maybe it was never explain, never complain, meaning don't, don't explain things. Don't make excuses, right? It, it, you need to look at explanations to give you data so that you can make better decisions in the future, but don't explain away why you did something. It's like you did it. Okay. Give me, you can give me some rationale. Fine. But it's not an excuse, right? So when I hear people, you know, saying something that is not quite right, I say, look, your explanation doesn't sit well with me, okay? And remember, our core value is honesty and transparency. So I don't care what the answer is. I really don't care what the mistake is. I don't care if you made an enormous blunder, but just take responsibility, right? Just say, I got it. I, I did that. I understand. My favorite response is understood, right? Because I don't want people to go off and start rambling on about, well, I did this because of that. And this happened. It's like, here's what needed to happen. Are you clear? Understood. And that's it. And, and again, it, it's, 
I say there's no losing. There's winning or learning. There's winning or learning. There's no losing. And, but you can only learn if you acknowledge the issue and if you acknowledge the, the mistake or the problem. That's the only way you can learn. So everything is a learning opportunity if you have that self-honesty and that intellectual honesty to take responsibility and to be able to look at yourself and say, what do I need to do differently? And that's right. the critical piece. So good. So, so much here. Uh, I, I, I smell a book in your future talking about this very topic. You know, one of the things you mentioned that really stuck out to me was the idea of calling it out. And I love, love the, even the words you're giving us of, of how you even say, hey, your explanation just doesn't sit right with me. But calling it out right now. And, and as you were describing that, I, I would thought of several moments where my gut said, hmm, and, mm. and, and I didn't say anything, mm. you know, whether it was because I didn't want to create friction or conflict or I didn't, or I didn't trust my gut, like you're describing. And you know mm. what? Those situations, when you let them, I, I let, I let someone create a rock for the quarter mm -hmm. that I didn't even agree with. They did it all mm -hmm. through the quarter. And then, you know, squashing it at the end of the quarter when they're already done doing it, that does, that's right. not fair to anyone, Right. but right. that's what needed to happen. And, right. and, and because I didn't, you know, it grew and grew and grew into a boulder that was just terrible. Another right. time I had a key person on the uh, leadership team who I just, I had this almost immediate gut of like, not a good person. Don't like this person. Uh, he's at C yeah. and, you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately he was involved in finances. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, and other people said, ah, well, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not bad. He's right. A, I, and I should have taken action years right. prior, yeah. years prior. Oh, brutal. brutal. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are people, and I'm totally with you on that because it's so hard. And there's a number of reasons why we don't do that when, when it happened when it happens. Um, one is we don't like confrontation, right? Uh, people don't like confrontation. Right. Some people like confrontation, but a lot of people don't <laughs> want confrontation, right? They, they, want, they want people, they want harmony, right? They want to get along. It's not that you want to be friends with people, but you want positivity. You want, you know, you want people to feel good. You know what I mean? It's, you don't have to like me, but I want you to have fun. You know, I hope you like me. You know, I mean, I don't want to be around. I don't want to work with people I don't like right. <laughs> and at this point in my career. Why should I? Right. Uh, so part of it is saying, let's have fun. Let's enjoy each other. Let's trust each other. Let's not have strife and let's not have conflict. But th but that's different than calling out the things that need to be called out when they need to be called out. Right. And people appreciate this. If you can do this in a way that is sincere and kind. And if I can add loving, I mean, that's kind of a silly uh, term to use in this context, but if you do it with real sincerity and authenticity and, and kindness and, and with the, um, with, with the objective of doing what's right for the company and what's right for the individual, right. Then you can, then you can bring bad news. You can bring hard news, right. You can say things to people and it's always important to do it as a sandwich, right? The 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 uh, the good, the feed the feedback, and more good, right? I know yeah. you can do this. I think, yeah. I really appreciate what you're doing. You're working really hard. I like this. Here are some things that you know I'm uh, I'm I think could be better, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, I know you can do this. I know you're you know you're really capable. I know you're working hard. People want to do the right thing, right? People, yeah. I believe, they want to be successful. They want to self-actualized. They want to, you know, feel fulfilled. They want to feel gratified. They want to make money, but it's not about the money. It's about personal satisfaction and growth and fulfillment. And, 
and all of those things that are not money related, right? But they're right. meaning related. It's about meaning in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so if you can be thoughtful and uh, in nurturing in doing this and tell people, look, I want to help you be successful, right? If that is what comes across and nobody is perfect, everybody's going to have flaws. Everybody's going to have gaps. Everybody's going to have blind spots, everybody, right? And the idea is, can you help people see the blind spots and can you help mitigate or fill in or backfill uh, the areas where we're train or remediate the areas that are weak, right? Or that they, yeah. they don't have the strengths in. Everybody has strengths, right? Everybody has their superpower, right? You got to okay. find that superpower and you got to say, what are they really, really good at? And then what are the things that they're not good at? And let's leverage that good stuff and let's mitigate and backfill that, you know, stuff that's, that's not as good. So, so part of it is being coming. And I used to do this emotionally. Like I used to be upset. I used to get angry. I used to say, you know what, these, I can't trust this person or this person, person violated my trust. And I would take mm. it personally. I would make it emotional and I would consider it a personal front. And that was bad, right? Because now it's, it's becomes a conflict that is more about the individual and, and the person and the relationship. And that's what, what you want, right? You want to be able to separate the action from the individual. And you want to be able to separate that from the emotion, the emotion of, of how you're feeling, like how you feel doesn't really matter in a way. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost that it, it's important. I just said, it's important for following your instincts, but in terms of the relationship, in terms of getting the best performance, in terms of solving the problem, you got to separate your emotion and you got to show up as a leader and you got to show up as a, you know, supportive individual who at the same time can enforce boundaries, can, can give critical feedback, can, can uh, help people grow, can focus on the right things. And again, if you're, if you take things personally, which I did, you know, I, I would be upset and I would be angry and I would think, oh, this person's lying to me or they're deceiving me or they're ripping me off, whatever it is. They're trying to take advantage. That just poisons that relationship, right? Yeah. And so part of it is learning. I had to learn that I needed to show up differently, right? I used to, when I would smell something that didn't work or I would, I, I'm very logical and very methodo uh, 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 methodical and I would, and I would ask questions and if something didn't smell right, I'd press and I'd dig and I'd ask another question, a follow-up question. And you know what it came across as? You know how it felt? Prosecutorial, right? Mm. Prosecutorial. Like I'm gotcha. I'm playing gotcha. And people would feel that way. Like, oh, you know, it's a trick question. Oh, he's trying to trap me. He's trying to do it. Well, guess what? I was. <laughs> right. I was. I was trying to find the lie or the, the misrepresentation or the or the evasion or you know, the, the, the untruth, whatever it was, but you know what, that's not the way to do it. Mm. Right. You have to say fate. You have to give people room. You have to say, look, you know, this is a mistake, whatever it was, here's how we need to look at this moving forward. And we don't need an explanation and we can move on from it. Right. But if you start to ask people why, well, why did you do this? And why did you do that? That will automatically, uh, elicit a, 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 a defensive response, right? Right. You are attacking them. You are asking, well, why did you do that? The implication being, why did you do that? Dummy? <laughs> why right. did you do that? You idiot. <laughs> right. So, so you can't ask questions like that, right? You have to be, so it's a very, very difficult and delicate balance 
to you know get to the truth, to get to the real performance, to get to the real issues, and at the same time, not trap people and not damage their egos, right? And not, you know, not, and, and it can still hurt their feelings, right? It's okay, you know, if their feelings are hurt. I was in a conversation not too long ago and this person was very upset and, you know, emotional. And I said, look, I know this is hard for you to hear. And I think if I were you and I were sitting in your seat, I would feel the same way. This is, you're not being, you feel like you're not being understood. You feel like you're trying to do this stuff and you're not succeeding. You're feeling like people aren't hearing you or perceiving that you're really making this effort. I get that. Right. And all I'm telling you is this is the perception. It may not be the reality, but here's what you need to do to change the perception. Right. So it's always trying to think about what this, how this is impacting, you know, your people and how they're going to take this. So, so that whole point that you made about not wanting to confront or just letting these things slide, it's, it's, it's almost like this little inflection point, right? It's this little point where you, you have the opportunity to set the course, to set, you know, the expectation moving forward. And if you don't take that, oh boy, you know, it's like, where else can they go? What else can they do? It's slicing the salami. Right. So for me, it's like, if you see something, say something. If you hear something that doesn't fit, you got you to gotta confront it and you got to ask that question. And, you know, the point you made about just having a bad feeling, there used to be a saying that I would use, uh, bad breath is better than no breath. <laughs> bad breath is better than no breath, right? In other words, get somebody in that position. You got to do it. Even if they're not great, <laughs> it's better than nothing. Uh-uh. That's not true. Not true. It's not true. It's not yeah. true. You got to make sure that you get the right, the right individual and you can't, you know, you can't have bad breath. You know, you can't hire somebody and know that they're not what you need or they're not a fit for the culture or they're not the level of quality. You can't accept that. And it's hard. Because it might mean losing business, it might mean losing opportunity, it might mean, you know, foregoing growth. But on the other hand, you make that bad hire, that can have massive, massive implications in destruction. You know, when yeah, we yeah. made a hire that was not the right hire, it really set us back quite a bit. And um, oh yeah, and yeah. So it's hard. and then what happens is sometimes. You make them the manager. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned at the very beginning that inflection point. In my mind, I thought of like a an angle, like a curve. Like you have mm. two choices. Right now, it's like right an inch between them. Like all you do is say that little huh, inquire something. Mm. But if you let it go, then those lines are that's, diverging so that's right. far apart. And eventually, that person's a manager. You're depending on them for operations. Now they're a manager, and they've went and hired eight other people that have bad breath. Right. And now right. you're surrounded by strangers that. And you're like, yeah. what is this culture? Yeah. You lose control over it. Yeah. You know, and and that is devastating. And then, you know, one of the things you're trying to do as an entrepreneur is you're trying to instill values and in, in a culture. And you're trying to build a team that has that shared sense of responsibility and commitment yeah. and shared values. And if you start getting away from that just as you say, you can start ending up losing control of the culture. And when you lose control of the culture, you lose control of the organization. And if right. you accept bad behavior or bad performance, you know, that just, 
that just magnifies, right? That just multiplies. And, and <laughs> it's a tough road back once you do there, oh, yeah, once, you, yeah. once you go there, you, know, <laughs> you got really some serious rebuilding to do and it's painful. And, and oftentimes you're going to lose your top folks because they're going to see that yeah. and they're going to be like, I, well, I need to find a place where I, you know, and they, they are doing better than you are finding a place yeah. where they can have the right culture. And so they're going to yeah. go and then you're going to, right. you're going to be stuck with all those people that you, you didn't make a call on and you should have made a call mm. on and instead all the ones you wanted to keep her. So you're right. Oh. It's like, it's funny how like a tiny little, you know, it's, called a butterfly effect or whatever. Yes. A tiny little Absolutely. decision. It just it's, ripple. It does. Yeah, it does. it does. And, and, you know, if I look back and I, I, you know, you, you can't look back except to, yeah. What do they say? You can't, uh, you can glance at the future. You can't, yeah, I mean, it's the past. You can't, you know, fixate on it, right? You, you want to learn your lessons, but you want to move on. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes I look back and I think about some of the decisions and some of the folks and some of the, you know, ways of doing business. And it's like, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was significant, you know, and, and uh, the team I have today and the processes and the culture and the people I had it with, with that momentum at that time, you know, be very, very different. But again, I also look at this as, you go through what you go through and, and everything you do brings you to where you are. And so those lessons I learned were very valuable. It would have been great to learn them sooner, <laughs> you know, but, but it is what it is. And, you know, and it, and it gives you the platform that you have now, everything, every experience, you know, it, it, you go through this exercise where you think of the worst thing that ever happened to you. And then you think, well, what happened after that? You know, and what did that lead to? And then what did that lead to? And then what did that lead to? And you start realizing that the things that were the catalysts earlier in your life that were bad at the time, it's that old story of, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, farmer with his, uh, the horses come through, the, the horse runs away and then brings back more horses. And then his son breaks the horse and then it he breaks his leg and the army comes through, but they don't take, you know, that whole story of, what happens, what happens next, what happens next, right? If you go back and you trace back to the worst things that have happened to you, you can always find the best things that have happened to you that were would not have happened if it were not for that catalyst, right? Yeah. When you start deconstructing those things, everything's led you to where you are. And some of the best things that have happened in your life were catalyzed by some of the worst things that happened in your life, right? You would not be where you are if it weren't for those things. So you know, you just got to kind of take stock of that. You know, I, people say adversity builds character. And I've always said, I have enough character. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't need more. You know, I don't need more. Thank you. But, um, but it is, you know, it is true. It's, it's like, it brings you to where you are and, and then you leverage it from there, you know, and being an entrepreneur is very, uh, a very extensive character building exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, had plenty, plenty. I'm yes, looking for exactly. the profit phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my next question, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but sure. really, who are you? Who are you? How do you know these things? Can you take me back in time? Little Seth days? Did you know mm -hmm. you'd be an entrepreneur, a scientist, mm. a, a writer, and all these scientists. things? I wanted to be a scientist. When I was yeah. uh, a young, when I was very young, you know, my father used to work for uh, uh, General Telephone and Electronics in Sylvania. And he worked in a research lab in uh, Bayside, New York. And he used to take me into the lab. Uh, he was supervisor of a glass shop. He actually invented the helium neon laser, uh, which, uh, which was one of the precursors to all the laser technology that we have today. Uh, I also 
forgot that um, uh, I, until I read a book called American Prometheus, my, my father also worked on the Manhattan Project in uh, New Mexico. He was a, an explosive expert. And I remember as a kid, he used to always talk about Robert Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer this, Oppenheimer that. So he worked with who was the, the person is the father of the atomic bomb. Oh, you know, shit. Which at the time, obviously, you know, you know, ended World War II, but obviously right. ushered in an interesting age. But um, I, do you I remember never, him saying anything particular about only that? I just remember him mentioning Oppenheimer a lot. And, and but by the time I was an adult, I, you know, it was long forgotten and he never brought it up again. But I, I would love to find those uh, uh, see if I could uh, research, you know, those right. uh, declassified uh, documents to find out what his role was. But use a conventional explosive to actually set off a, a nuclear uh, explosive. My father was a, an explosives expert. They brought him from Australia where he was stationed uh, to New Mexico. But anyway, long story, but he used wow. to bring me into the lab and he used to, um, you know, uh, I used to see a lot of these, the experiments and that was when people actually had, you know, wet laboratories and physics laboratories and mechanical engineering laboratories. And, and he used to bring home old uh, radar equipment that was surplus that they were throwing away. And I used to, dismantle it and build other things out of it. So, you know, I was always fascinated by science and chemistry and biology and electronics. And, you know, this is pre-computers, but, um, but I, um, I always uh, loved it. And I, I uh, went for my degree in chemistry and then graduate school, I went for a business um, uh, marketing uh, degree, or, or I didn't actually get my MBA. I have an almost MBA, <laughs> two years full time. But I uh, well, I, I, I will actually, confer it upon yeah. you, but the power is vested in me and the entrepreneurial community. Uh, but but tell me about this. So so you did go to school for science. Yes, you got inspired. You're yes. playing with old radar equipment. That's right. Did you at some point realize test tubes were not for you and what yeah, I, I realized that in, in, I actually had a, a graduate school um, fellowship for University of Texas uh, or Texas A&M, uh, which was, uh, which was a, a full scholarship for graduate school. And wow. I realized in chemistry lab that I was not very good at um, making compounds. You know, I, my, my colleagues would end up with these beautiful, it start with these pure crystalline substances and they'd end up with beautiful crystalline substance at the end. And I always end up with a test tube of brown goop. <laughs> it's like everybody has beautiful crystalline substances and here's Seth brown goop, right? Yet again. Damn so it. I realized I was not very good at wet chemistry. And uh, of course today it's all instrumentation and I, I right. would love it. And in fact, we work with a lot of uh, life sciences firms and uh, instrumentation firms as our clients. But um, but I loved it, and I I just realized that it wasn't for me uh, at that time. So that's when I went to grad school for for business and did full time two years. And there was one course that in market research that my instructor said nobody who's ever taken an in uh, an incomplete has ever finished this course. And I took an incomplete, and uh, he was right. <laughs> then I went back a couple of years later to finish it, and they they changed their accreditation, wanted me to start again. So I was like, yeah, that's close enough. It's one 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 course short, but um, but then I worked in uh, technology, I worked for a small systems integrator, and you know, database management firm. And I remember seeing this database they had built. I don't even remember the technology, but it was pre Windows, and I was like. The problem solved. Like, what else could you do? You know, like I didn't see right. what all the possibilities were. But, um, but I, I ended up uh, doing marketing and business development, and then I ended up finding someone who actually, uh, at one point, I took a diversion and did some other entre entrepreneurial stuff. 
Uh, but uh, I ended up working with a guy who was working with Lotus uh, uh, at Corporation at the time, Lotus Notes. And I ended up helping him with some marketing and I ended up getting trained at Lotus Notes and I ended up, uh, uh, you know, starting to teach people uh, and uh, taught myself systems administration and application development. And, and uh, that was sort of the beginning of the groupware or knowledge uh, management uh, space, right? Because it's the first time you're connecting people with unstructured information. And so that was really the beginning of the work that we did in, you know, and started to uh, consult, you know, uh, along with my teaching. And uh, we started to find different opportunities to implement um, Lotus Notes for organizations. And then, of course, that technology evolved. We actually were invited into, uh, I, I spoke at the Lotus IBM Tech Forum in 1998 with the mm. CIO office, the CIO from IBM in attendance. Uh, and uh, I got invite an invitation down to Armonk and uh, got put in a room with about uh, 10 uh, people and, and started hammering me about Lotus notes. I said, Hey, it's not my software, but I, but I know why your deployments are not good. And they actually brought us in uh, as their SWAT team uh, to do Lotus notes uh, tuning. The reason oh, wow. I tell that story, I usually tell a slightly different story at the time when I was making a, a transition where I was trying to find a new opportunities. Um, I had actually taken this foray into real estate development and other stuff that was non-tech. And I pretty much uh, uh, lost everything in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, in the 80s, right? In the, in, the, in the economic downturn. And so I was trying to find a job and I was doing this teaching and I went to this consulting firm that did that I taught for as well. And I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to join you in your marketing organization. And at the time the guy said, first of all, with your background, you would never have credibility with a CIO, mm. never, ever have credibility with a CIO. And because I had, you know, I had taken this foray into real estate and all that stuff. And then I told him and he said, well, how much money do you want? And he said, 40,000 years. Whoa, that's way too much money for us. <laughs> and I billed him over a hundred thousand that year in teaching part-time. Right. But Years later is when we were brought in for the office of the CIO at IBM. So went from, wow. okay, you'll never have credibility to, okay, that's where you are. So all of it is really self-taught. All of it is really, you know, yeah. my curiosity, my desire, my, you know, uh, uh, my doggedness, you know, in terms of trying to find answers and trying to figure things out, doing research, doing self-training. So that's really been the theme, right? I've, I've taught myself all of this stuff. You know, when I started this business, I really didn't have any expertise. I didn't have any contacts. I really didn't have much background. I had the years before that when I had done some work in, um, for that small firm, but, uh, but it was not necessarily related to what I was doing, uh, in, in, you know, at the time. And, uh, right. so, so that's how I, I started it. And, uh, with that, uh, you know, built the business over the years. Rest is history, right? Hopefully, <laughs> it's still history in the making. Right? <laughs> agree, completely agree. Uh, well, my next next question for you is a bit of a hypothetical question, which yeah. I know your your logical self and my logical self <laughs> we can just have a great time with this uh, until it gets emotional. God. <laughs> um, so, I may or may not have a time machine up here in Nashua, um, <laughs> and it's you know in it's in the backyard, covered in a tarp. But let's say you come <laughs> visit, we'll get some beers. Mm -hmm. And we'll try out this time machine. It's a particular kind Fire of time machine because mm -hmm. it actually goes back in time. You get to meet yourself a few days mm -hmm. after graduating with mm. that undergrad degree, right? Mm -hmm. So you haven't mm -hmm. quite, but maybe you've, you've seen the brown goop and you're thinking mm -hmm. something's different. Um, mm -hmm. 
And you mm. get to meet yourself. You can say mm. anything you'd like. I promise yeah. the space-time continuum will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to yourself? Oh, man. <clears throat> wow. Well, I would... What would I say to myself? <clears throat> I think at the time, I didn't know my limitations, right? I didn't know what the potential future would be, obviously. And I didn't... I, I, I what would I say to myself? I think I would say it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's going to be okay. Uh, you'll figure it out. And, um, you know, just uh, try to have, uh, just try, try to value your, your friendships and your relationships. And, you know, don't just stay focused on, um, you know, your goals and objectives, try to have a balanced life, you know, and try to value the relationships in your, in your life and, and try to uh, be um, broader in terms of what you're focusing your energy on. You know, I, I think that uh, I became very focused on uh, my work objectives and, you know, achieving certain things. And, you know, you can kind of miss a lot when you do that, right? And, uh, and so I think it's just trying to slow down a little bit and, uh, be less of a human doing and be more of a human being <laughs> Yeah, and, and trying to, you know, take stock of, of a broader, um, a broader experience, you know, in life. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess that's all I would say. I mean, I, I, I know the path that I went down was, was very, um, interesting and had a lot of uh stops and starts and you know diversions and paths and so on i mean it was uh it was all very interesting and you know very fun at times and very yeah. not fun at times and you know i uh but but all of it was part of the learning you know so right. i guess i would just say uh you know enjoy uh your life and worry less about what you're achieving and focus more on, you know, uh, connecting with people and, and enjoying uh, your, the relationships and the friendships, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really appreciate that. And I know you've talked about how you, you learn so much from when things don't go right. So it's not like you mm -hmm. even tell yourself that you just, it's going to be okay. And yeah. then you value your friendships, have that balanced life. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You'll get there. Uh, don't worry about it. You know, it's all going to happen in the way it needs to happen. <laughs> and Amen, they still believe that. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, where can people, if they want to reach out and connect sure. to you, connect to your company, where, where yeah. do you want them to go? Sure. So the, uh, the thing you need to remember is that my name is spelled with an E before the Y. So it's E-A-R-L-E-Y. Uh, and so you can go to uh, early.com, www.earlyearley.com. And you can also send me a note, Seth at early.com. So just my first name at lastname.com. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my Twitter handle is at Seth Early and so on. But uh, yeah, happy to chat with folks and uh, want to participate more in the uh, community in, uh, in uh, Boston and uh, would love to uh, chat and, and connect with folks. So happy to uh, have conversations and uh, meet new people. Absolutely. And if they're interested in that sneaky, fun topic, which we haven't even talked about today, but the idea oh. of AI, 
Yeah, there you and go. There's a book. There's a book. Yeah, look sure. at that thing. Check the book out, AI Powered Enterprise. So that's, that. uh, that's uh, another interesting. And I had a little article uh, that was part of Harvard Business Review, which is about how AI is changing the workplace. And that, oh, that was part of a special topic, uh, best of archive edition, which is very great honor to uh, be selected for that. So. Absolutely. And look at that right on Amazon. So you yep. have that book delivered and then they know how to contact you to keep that conversation going and the podcast, right? That's right. Shout out early, podcast. early AI. You can find that on the website as well. It's our podcast. We bring in guests to talk about artificial intelligence and machine Love learning that. and other random topics. Love it. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna check that out. I'm a big fan of that. At some point we'll have to talk about AI and marketing. Absolutely. And there's the Marketing way. AI Institute. You should check that out. I actually, uh, I, I have, I have, I think yeah, I've actually great. interviewed them, but I want to interview yeah, you, great. the author of the book. We'll yes. Talk later. That'll be a different show though. That's a, that's another show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Seth, man, this has been so good. Thank you for coming on Thank here, you. being your authentic self and really just sure. sharing this powerful stuff. I mean, there's a lot of courses on finance and marketing and go to market, but man, to, to, to get right, just confronting when your gut says mm. something's wrong. I mean, thank you so mm. much for flagging that for me and mm. for everyone listening. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And those listening, if you learned something and I freaking know you do, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here from the back, <laughs> share this episode with someone else. That's how you're a thought leader. Get that information into someone else's hands. Mm. Um, and then obviously check out Seth's um, site, podcast, book, all those things. Seth, you're amazing. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words and, and uh, thanks for having me today. You bet, man. You bet. And this has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.